0: And now
1: it's time for Inside Conan, an important
0: Hollywood podcast.
1: Welcome. Hi there. I'm Jesse Gaskell. I'm
0: Mike Sweeney, and welcome to Inside Conan,
1: an important Hollywood podcast. Mm-hmm. We are back in Los Angeles this week.
0: We're very happy to be back, but we had a great time in New York City last week.
1: We did. We were there for the upfronts. Yes. Which Jeff Ross, executive producer Jeff Ross
0: of our show, talked about. He at did in, on an in earlier
1: monotone.
0: Episode. Yes. In his monotone way. And uh, up fronts again, it's when the, all the TV networks trot out their wares for advertisers and let, try to get them excited about the new season.
1: Yeah, new content.
0: The new slate of shows.
1: Mm-hmm. So oh. what? what, I mean, what is TBS- have in their new shows. Oh, I thought you were shows.
0: asking what was TBS. <laughs> which a lot of listeners are probably like, what's, <laughs> might be what's television?
1: Yes. What are these oh, shows? Oh, yeah. We should, um, we should clarify. This whole podcast is about a, <laughs> That's right. a TV show. That's
0: right. Conan, Conan, hosted by
1: Conan O'Brien.
0: On TBS. It's been on TBS since 2010. It's a, on
1: It's in cable. It's in some people's That's cable right. packages. That's
0: right. Or a lot of people watch it online.
1: I watch mine on... Those little stickers that come on fruit.
0: I will only watch it live here in the studio. <laughs> it's, it's like going to a Broadway You're a classic show for Queens. me. I am. I'm very, very old school.
1: Speaking of Broadway, back to New York. Oh, yes. So you were at the Upfronts. Yeah. Conan hosted the but TBS Upfronts, right? He didn't host it. He just oh, appeared. He, he went out and did opening. five minutes.
0: He got on early. He did great. And then he got off stage and headed out the door.
1: So you guys were there for about twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. No, about an hour.
0: Yeah. So, but it was great. But I
1: heard his set went well.
0: He did very well. Yes, for our new overlords, because now our company's owned by AT and T.
1: Right. We we had the writers wrote a lot of jokes about AT. They did.
0: The writers wrote some great.
1: There were a lot of
0: Conan did them.
1: Yes, a lot of acclaim. after the after the upfronts, there's going to be a bad reception.
0: Exactly.
1: I had a line about, there's only two bars at the, the reception. The
0: party only have two bars. Yeah. It, and it killed.
1: <laughs> it did. It was A room great. full of executives. <laughs> That's the worst thing you could have and, said to me. And
0: sales executives. <laughs> and then we got out of there and then uh, raced back to the hotel.
1: And then you and I met at the Earwolf Studio mm-hmm. in New York. It's very Fancy right
0: by the library, it's right behind the library, mm-hmm. kind of like giving the finger to books in the library. Yeah. <laughs> this giant podcast studio,
1: where we're we gonna hung put out. you at a business public library, yeah.
0: And we we talked to a lot of people who uh who used are to are rarely on the show. in LA, yeah. And so we went to them, which was great,
1: yes, because they're that big mm-hmm. that we had to travel all the way there, that's to them. right. And one of those people. Um, very funny guy that a lot of you probably know is Chris Gethard.
0: Chris Gethard, who, uh, hey, you're probably like, what's his connection with The Conan Show? Well, he's been a guest the past few years, several times. Great guest. Yeah. But we found out that years ago on Late Night with Conan O'Brien, he... Made several appearances in some comedy It was his TV sketches. debut. And yes. he was
1: like in his early 20s. He
0: he was a like a kid in college who would yeah. commute into New York City from New Jersey. That's right. And because he, he got started getting small. Well, there's a whole backstory to it. Yeah. yeah. They're going
1: to hear it. They're going to hear all about
0: it. I think Chris really wanted to talk to us because he had something he wanted to get off his chest.
1: Yeah, he had a really traumatic experience on the show. Yes, that it's, early on in his career, that I, it sounds like almost completely wrecked him.
0: Yeah, he he said it was one of the most traumatic experiences. He's I'm ever surprised had. he stayed
1: in show business. I know.
0: <laughs> so he wants to come on and talk about. It, so I I'm don't remember what it is I don't know what it is and we're excited to hear what it is and we promise when this is all over and we find out all about it we'll play the audio of this momentous event in his life this sketch that was yeah we actually played
1: show. it for him yes and in front of him he <laughs> he tried to cover his ears and <laughs> close his eyes so uh, let's get into it all right here's Chris Gethard Well, let's introduce our guest. Oh, right, we have a guest. We have a great guest here
0: in New York City.
1: We ha- he is a staple of the NY comedy scene,
0: absolutely—and
1: a podcast aficionado. And he's been on Conan many times, many, both as many a times. Performer and then as a panel guest.
0: Yes, and today, hopefully, we're going to talk about some of his early performances. On
1: yeah, Conan. Back before back when there was we were even in New video. York.
0: Yes, before we moved to LA, yeah. which was now ten years ago. So. Uh, without any further ado, it's Chris Gethard. Hi, Hello. Chris
2: Gethard. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks
1: but, for yes, being here. Well, you were already here because you were recording
2: ten other podcasts. Right? It's yeah, I was cranking out all sorts of stuff. You actually, always making moves, hustling and grinding. That's what I'm known for.
0: You actually live here, and we had to knock you off your cot and say it's time. Um,
2: well, I was I was very excited to have a reason to uh, leave my house, um, and I I say this with love, but. Uh, I had a, my first kid a month ago. Oh, oh my god! Congratulations. So, thanks. So wow. anything that's like a legitimate reason to come up for air yeah. is a very welcome thing in my life. And I feel bad saying that because my wife has less of those. Right. Because we could
1: have her on this podcast, too. Yeah,
2: oh. she would love it. We're open to She's that. currently sort of like... I just like assume she has a podcast. <laughs> yeah, she has three or four. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, she's, she's currently serving the uh, small god wow. yes. that has... What kind him.
1: of child did you have?
2: We had a boy. Oh, they your call him boy. a boy. Yeah, yeah. That's a and God. he's the best, and I love him. But he has turned us into like he. I didn't realize they kind of enslave you. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. part. that's weird.
0: You thought weird. he would just go off on his own, right? Away. <laughs>
2: Everybody's like, you don't get sleep, but they don't right. mention like you're also at his beck and call, yes. and every time he moves, mm-hmm. you freak out, and then every time he doesn't move, right, you are More thrown into out. terror, yeah. and every time he makes a sound, you have to like. Beg him, like, what do you want? You I don't know what you it. want. And this has been going on for a month where he's like a weird god that has, he. yeah, he's like enslaved yeah. us to his needs. And yes. it's strange.
0: You'll do anything to keep him going. What's yeah. his <laughs> name? You might as well tell his us. His name's
2: Caleb. Oh, oh great. calling him Cal. Cute. I like that. Yeah, I thought it, I really liked Cal, and then we, uh, my wife and I, both liked it, and then we reversed engineered. You, you know, Calvin's the obvious one, but I yeah. think I look too much like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, <laughs> so if he looks like me, especially I mean,
0: when you urinate.
2: Yes, especially yeah, especially when I'm uh, standing on the bumper on of the a back truck. truck. Right. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't want to saddle him with that curse if he winds up looking like me and is named Calvin. That, that is a thoughtful. Wondering. So, did you two
0: fight over names?
2: No. Uh, well, we did. Fight over my 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 wife always makes the joke she she's fantastic at research mm-hmm. uh, but she's not great at decisions and mm-hmm. I'm the opposite I'm like someone will be like you should buy this thing and I'll be like great sounds good let's do it let's right. go <laughs> my parents are the same way my parents just bought a house that they never visited no they just bought it off the internet. In Florida, <laughs>
1: like on eBay, <laughs> it was like through some real estate.
2: So it was in, it was in a complex that they really liked for yeah. for seniors. Oh. So they knew they liked the complex, and they saw a house come up, and they were up in upstate New York because they're snowbirds. And they're like, "Yeah, we'll buy it."
0: I was going to ask where they did it from upstate yeah. New York.
2: If they bought a house in Florida. Ne- Have sight they seen unseen. it now? Uh, no, they're, still they They're going it. down in a week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Had they been to the complex? You said they liked. They the com- drove through the ah, complex and okay. they liked it. All right.
1: Probably all of the houses are the same. I think they were like, they're all
2: similar and this one seems fine, but I Mm -hmm. take after them. So we didn't fight about names, but my wife had a list of about 30. Okay. And uh, at, at some point I said, what if we each write our top three off the list of 30 that we think are Okay. And she said, five, give me five. And then, our, <laughs> both of our number one was Caleb. So that's oh, uh, the deal. yeah, yeah.
0: What a great get! And then it, it reaffirms your love for each other and yeah. how you're a perfect match. <laughs>
2: Look at that. Otherwise, it's you would win-win. have had to divorce. Look at that. Yes, it before was before the there. baby even comes. It yeah. was really because it was around like seven months, so that I, prospect of divorce was terrifying. Right. <laughs> I was so excited though to be asked because I have such uh, mm-hmm. I have such fond memories of. Especially, I mean, of every being on panel was such an honor. But those old days in New York, I I look back now. It's one of those things where, as you get older, you look back and realize, oh, there's been like a few stretches of my life that were these like golden ages. Right. And that being on the old late night show was a part of that for me. That's cool. Oh, Maybe that's so the nice. formative stretch of my entire life. And you don't know that when you're dealing with it.
0: I love that you have golden ages and you're still incredibly young.
2: I'm, turning, <laughs> I'm, I'm 38. Yeah. That's but young. I th- but yeah, it is. But I also started in New York when I was 19. Oh, so it wow. is 50% yeah. of my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I think there is some like warranted reminiscing of like 50% of my fucking life. Wow. I've been doing this in this city. And there's been so many times where it's ebbed and flowed. And, uh, When I started at UCB, it was really exciting because I was in college. Did you
1: start there like when it opened? I mean, were you? Pretty close.
2: Right after they opened their first theater. Mm -hmm. So, everybody, I think everybody from UCB, I assume to, I haven't performed there regularly in, in a number of years, but. I feel like whenever you start, you feel like you just missed it when it was at its best. Right, right. <laughs> so they had, their, they had their first theater on 22nd Street, which was in an old abandoned strip club. I started mm. right after they opened that. And then I always was like, oh, the people who were there, they used to do their shows at a space called Solo Arts. Mm. And I was like, oh, I missed the Solo Arts days. Right. I missed when it was at <laughs> right. its best.
1: When it was just in someone's living room. <laughs> yeah, but yeah.
2: you got to imagine I was 19. And I would take the train up from Rutgers University in New Jersey. Oh, you went to Rutgers. I went to Rutgers. So I was, I, I was in. There was a little improv troupe there, and that was, you know, that was twenty years ago. There weren't, there weren't now. Every I feel like now, I have friends who their kid is taking improv classes, and he's in fourth grade, and there's like improv classes in his town. Like there weren't many college improv troupes back then. So I showed, uh, you know, it hit the summer break. I was like, I really like improv. I I was actually extremely depressed, and it was kind of the only thing that made me happy. And I found UCB's website, and it was just nonsense. It made no sense. It gave no information. It was all bits. <laughs> right. I I always remember their class description said, there were all these squares on their website, and it didn't say what the links were. So you had to click all these different squares till you found the classes. And then it said...
1: Was that uh, intentional, or was that just bad It was intentional.
2: They were real. <laughs> they were it was up. real. It was very punk rock yes. in yeah. a way that... And I, I, I want to be clear. Like I love UCB, and I still think they do a lot of great stuff for people. But back then, it was lawless. It was mm-hmm. the Wild West, and their class description just said, um, "We will teach you guerrilla fighting techniques and spit takes," and that was it. <laughs> and That's... I t- just signed up. I didn't know what it was. My improv group had been doing like the "Who's Line Is It Anyway?" games, and then we, I'd come up, and I was like, I didn't even know what long form was until I was like halfway through level one. I went and saw it. But being in college, that was, uh, you know, I think that was 2000 that I started. Being a college kid in 2000, it meant you worshipped Conan. Like, I have yeah. so many memories being at this house that I used to party at. It was this punk house on Robinson Street in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And we'd be blasting music and screaming and yelling. But when Conan came on, like, everybody sat down. What? I remember we would sit there with 40s and we would watch Conan. <laughs> and we would worship so Conan. We all worshipped Conan. My brother... Introduce me to Conan, and then I show up at UCB, and you go on a Sunday night. Right, and it's like all the people I was seeing on Conan it was it was ask on Sunday. You'd go to see ASCAP, and you'd see Stack, and Dorf yep. and uh, Glazer, Andy Richter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd see Brian Richter McCann. sometimes, Brian McCann sometimes, and then I start. You'd start to I like took a class. My level two class was with Michael Delaney, who was on all the time. Then I was like, what? And then you'd see like the staring contest bits, and I was like, I'm, I'm this. I'm like this yeah, close. Right. one degree. This, it feels like I'm this close from just walking into my own television set. Mm-hmm. And then when I got the call, it blew my mind.
1: How do you think, you, like how did they find you initially?
2: Well, I can say very confidently, because I've been told this was the case, I was uh, 20 years old, but I was a real late bloomer. So I was in the early days. I was cast all the time as a teenager, so that the production wouldn't have to actually hire a a teenage actor and Uh, bring a stage mom along, a tutor, and and all all those rules. So I, one of my first bits. I, I remember playing, uh, it was a desk drive where I was dancing with a girl at a senior prom and mm-hmm. he ran, he drove the car through the senior prom and we all had to right. act like he ran us over with a car. Um, any t- you know, saying that out loud, it doesn't sound funny, but it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> what well,
1: was all behind his desks. Yes. Is, is pretending yes, the desk
2: was a car. Yes. And I, uh, yeah, that I was playing a lot of, when when you needed a young plucky kid, you'd call me. One, one of the bits I remember loving the most was Dorf wrote a bit about, a kid going home for college on Thanksgiving break, and I was cast as that kid. And uh, the good thing, uh, Dorf always liked me. He would come around UCB a lot and taught workshops to us. And uh-huh. he, we all were scared of Dorf because he was the real deal. Yes, he was like old oh, man Chicago
0: Impro. Oh yeah, we worked with him, and and he was.
2: Well, He's all those improvisers. like you was look, tough. They were all these like tall, bur- like now improv kids are like me, like short, dorky white guys with glasses. <laughs> but like those, his era, like you look at Stack and Dorf and McCann, yeah. they're all like six foot Imposing. plus. Yeah. Cary Grant yeah. started out in improv. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> but I remember Dorf, Dorf always liked me because I committed so hard and he committed so hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, he cast me in this bit where we came home for Thanksgiving break and one of the beats was, Playing football with your uncle, and he played the uncle, and he was like, "I'm gonna tackle the shit out of you, and it's gonna be real." We're gonna, we <laughs> oh, were in wow. Rowie's backyard in New Jersey, or his aunt's backyard in New Jersey. And if you watch that clip, he trucks me into the ground. <gasps> oh wow! I have that, so many fond memories. Yeah, that's
0: great. That also, was a fun, that was a really funny bit. He just,
2: I think he it just wanted fun. to bully you. That was he it wrote was, that. It especially. was a child by fire for sure. <laughs> I loved that one. I did. I remember uh, McBrayer got sick one day and I got called in to replace him and I was so scared because it was a Glazer bit, and I was terrified of Glazer.
1: <laughs>
0: terrified of Glazer. Again, uh, yes, Glazer can be intimidating.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, an- and another improviser that mm-hmm. I worshipped as an improv nerd. And, yeah. Uh, so what happened? It was good. It was uh, satellite channels, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that was—I was so scared because that was when McBrayer was like on a hot. Sh- McBrayer was like the go-to guy. Yes. And everybody always knew. Like the reputation with Glazer was like you don't really fuck around too much. Like he wants to nail his shit. He wants to yes. crush his bits. He's not the guy you go and like, you're like rubbing elbows with in the van on the way to location. Right. Some of the writers, like this guy is, he he loves comedy, he wants to nail comedy. And I could just feel it. He and I had never spoken, and I, could, I don't know. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I was also an anxiety-riddled kid, but I remember feeling like he had McBrayer, and now he's got me, and he's sitting here feeling like, is this shit going to get cut that I put all this work into? Right. And it was Did a, you have
1: to go to a tanning booth before? I, uh, I wish. I
2: wish. And Yeah, I had, to, I had to have very white teeth and very skin. <laughs> but it was... You have the voice down. <laughs> yeah. Me and Jack have... It's funny. He He and I are so close, but we've also publicly each other to shreds so many times it's a weird relationship Uh, but yeah it was a I played a Dutch boy on a show called The Weakest Clog where I had to throw clogs against the wall and then mine broke and I had to be sad and I remember Conan complimented my acting was what I heard and Glazer was thrilled and I remember feeling like on the moon like I was walking on sunshine because I made Conan and John Glazer happy and that meant everything to me back then that meant everything oh
1: my god that's
2: so sweet i feel i don't know i'm i'm not letting you guys talk enough i should say that before the end of this we should also at some point because i can reminisce about all the happiest memories like I'm in the beginning. Uh, I was at the 10 year anniversary when you guys shut mm-hmm. down the block. Yeah, he was like leading a charge of hundreds of us. I'm right up front. I pissed off Ben Schwartz, a young Ben Schwartz, so bad then because they put all the after actors up front. Yeah, and he said I. He tells me to this day I kind of big time. He wasn't an after uh. yet, and he had pushed his way up to the <laughs> front. And I, if I remember right, he was like trying to do bits with a friend of mine from UCB who's a. Young lady, and I think she had expressed that maybe she wanted him to stop. And I kind of was like, "Dude, you should back off." And he's like, "You just tried to fucking big time me at the Conan thing because you were in the union and I wasn't." Oh, wow. When did he call and you out on that? A couple years later. Oh. A couple years later. Um, he, he which he is just not told really my style. It. Yeah, he, he told me for years. To be it doesn't fair, sound like that I, would be your style. I hope his old partner never hears this. He had a like comedy partner back then who I think was notoriously kind of a. Uh, just annoying. He's a lovable dude who is just right. annoying. And I, my guess is, I probably big timed his partner, and he was the collateral damage because mm-hmm. uh, okay. I really loved Ben from the start. Yeah. But I have all these happy memories. But also, I would say to this day, one of the scariest and most heartbreaking memories I have involved a Conan bit too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, we're out of time. Yeah) <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You gotta tell. It us. was bad. It was bad. Oh boy. I still cringe when oh, I think no. about it. I talked about it, I think on a podcast or something. And was pe- this
1: something that aired? It was. Okay, and it, so I we can I, find it. Oh
2: my God, and people have found it, yeah. especially since the archive was just. You've talked up. about it. I've talked about it publicly, and a few fans of mine were like, is this the thing you're talking about? And they will link to the clip, and I cannot watch it. <laughs> and it must have been in 2002 okay. or 2003. It was bad. It it (laughs) fills me with panic to this day. It was a bit... I wasn't even the funny part. I I was the setup, man. I was playing a page. Yeah. And I'll never forget. The whole idea was I was going to run down the hallway, interrupt Conan while he set something up, and I just had to say... I forget if it was like, the landlord is coming, or... Mr. Blah, blah, blah is coming. It was like some figure of authority in Conan's life. It was
1: like exposition. It you was it layout. was the
2: setup of like, hey, this guy that you're, right. he's tracked you down and he's, he's on his way and I'm supposed to warn you, this guy is coming. And then I go away and the guy comes in and does the bit. And we rehearsed it and it went fine. And that's light lifting. And I had done probably 15 bits then. So... I think I was like pretty accepted. You're I think a pro. People thought I was like a nice, quiet, hardworking kid. And I'd done a couple things that worked. So, I, you know, it was a very family vibe. It was right. really cool. And I, even when you'd go and do bits that get cut and you're sitting in the hallway with all these people and it's just a fun day and like right. everybody's in a bear suit yes. holding the head and then they're like, a bit yeah. got cut. And you go, know, it was like the most fun yeah. stretch of life. So I was part of the gang and I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. It was my fault. But you will remember that there were, I don't know if they were of equal status, but there were two stage managers back in the day. Yes. And one of them, I think, was a little bit more of a taskmaster. And one of them, I won't name names because it's not fair. And one of them, I think, was a little bit more... Wanted to be one of the gang. Yes, if you know who I'm talking
0: about. Oh, well, one yes, of them was I do.
1: Probably the one who still works for us. Uh, one of them. Yes. <laughs> now and to call him a taskmaster. I think when it's go time. Oh, he was the taskmaster. Yeah. I, in oh. this if it's who I'm thinking. Oh, yes, it's the guy who okay. I still run into. in LA. Okay.
2: it's just when it's time to get the work done. Mm. Yeah. He's getting the work done. He's right. the nicest guy in the world. Yep. Yeah, 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 When the That's, show is up and running.
1: I thought he could have been either one of those people. Yes. Describe.
2: So the other guy who I have a lot of love for, not throw him under the bus. He was the one holding the door and the whole thing as the door mm-hmm. opens I walk out right. he has the headset on and uh, he and I he's like how you been this and that and we're talking and kind of joking around and then all of a sudden he goes oh okay and opens the door and I was like what and I hesitate so I run out and I'm like Conan Conan whatever the name was Conan Miss, Mr. Hubert's coming and Conan just looks at me and goes in front of the whole live audience. I mean this is the taping it's not yeah. dress he goes yeah why don't we take that back and let's see if you can hit your cue. (gasps) And I was just like, okay. And you just see me. I'm pretty
0: sure that's not in the
2: script. You see, oh God. And I'm already such a pale person, but you just see any, Uh. you see the blood drain out of my face and I just (sighs) nod and step back. And, uh, The door opens again, I come out, I say the line again, and he just gets a huge laugh. He says something like, oh, wow, that's such a surprise. Uh, Surprising news. Real surprising Uh. news. He's really blindsided me with that one, and roars, roars. And I went back out, and it was just sweat. Uh. Uh. Hearing how I worshipped the show, and then got to walk onto Uh. it. And then, I'll never forget, though, the sweetest thing in the world... Brian Stack and Kevin Dorf. before I even got to the end of the hallway, I saw them run into my field of vision, and they were like, it's okay, he got a laugh, he's never yeah, mad he if he got. gets a laugh, he's yes. never angry if it leads to a laugh, and I was just like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, and I watched it that night. You are inconsolable. I think I cried when I watched oh. it. Oh my I God. I think wa- I cried, and I, I don't know... If it was directly related, but I stopped getting called as often after that. Oh my god! I stopped getting called god. as often. Wow! Because per- I re- permanently or no, I, well, it... I remember when <sighs> when the show was switching over, I got a call from Celia. Then yeah, it was like, "Hey, Celia Plevo, who's yes. our casting director." Hugely. Uh, important yes. to me like helped so many so of us it was great in the early days the ucb was like a sort of like a symbiotic really like oh boy yes. you guys helped yeah. us all get health insurance through the union it was <laughs> wow. huge it was huge um and she called me when you guys were switching the show over and she was like uh, or, or moving to la and she was like yeah we're just we're you know we're bringing in all the uh all like the old time mm-hmm. people we love and mm-hmm. getting everybody one more bit. And oh. I was like, oh, great. So I, I was brought back. But I, I don't think between those two things oh. I did more than one or two other things. Oh, and I got why. Because I mean, I. Maybe I've, you I've had I've,
1: just aged out of the I, I, teen it,
2: There's truth to that. There is truth <laughs> that like some of those roles I used to get right. wouldn't make sense anyway. I was now like 24, now 25 20. years old. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, I was no longer helping to skirt child labor laws.
0: I will. I, I
2: what you, you experienced, I
0: observed, uh, happened to other people because someone really wasn't paying attention. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. same the, the, per, same person. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or <laughs> every now and then the
0: queuing was yeah. not good, and I I it would just
2: drive me crazy. But it was my fault. It was my fault. I'll never forget because he was just like, oh. it wasn't your fault. But the I... door opened and I it's... knew it was yeah. just so door opens, walk out the door, and he just opened it. I went, wait, huh? But, and I just, I was like, oh, but no, god, I, it is his job to cue you, and yeah, so yeah. it's not your fault. So it was, it, I, we will share responsibility. Please let it
0: go it, on this.
2: You can see, yeah, you can see podcast. my body language now, though. <laughs> uh, years later, yeah, years later, you well, can see that I'm still like, oh god, I dropped the ball. I have a technical
1: question. Yeah. I mean, that would be a very easy thing to pull up in post, right? The the it, space after the door opens. Gotta
0: laugh. Oh, I. I thought No, it w- I
1: I mean if if Conan hadn't had just played it, Wait, you know? correct
0: me if I'm wrong. I got the impression did they leave in the whole they thing? They aired the whole thing the on whole, NBC. So I thought the, maybe they, kept they pulled the whole it thing up in because no.
1: Conan Cuz
0: he got the, got the the big laugh. laugh. He got the big laugh. And but then, if he
1: hadn't, if he had just played along with it. Right. And not thrown you under the bus. Right. <laughs> deservedly,
2: <laughs> Cuz we knew then too. All the UCB people knew. At dress Like, once they say Conan's on his way down, like, put your game face on. Like, he's the most lovable dude in the world. You watch him on TV. But like, this is a job and he's who he is for a reason, and well, you nail it and dress, and then you help the, and the writer wants you to nail and dress, so they get their shit on, and then you yeah. nail it on the show.
0: Maybe this will make you feel better. Conan cried that night afterwards <laughs> and said, I should not have made I've fun of so that actor.
2: Oh, I thought you were bit. gonna say, I should not have employed that human being. <laughs> betrayed my trust. You, now, you've been a
0: guest. How many times on the show since then, three, as a panel
2: guest? three. And have you did you ever tell up? him this? No, I'm too <gasps> heartbroken still. Oh, you don't wanna talk? Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh my God,
0: I, it seems like the next time you're on, it'd be, yeah. we should redo you that should show pitch. that clip. If I am,
2: if I am, I mean, we I should was, have could. you, yeah, redeem yourself. At, yeah. th- at this point, I, I, I've I felt really good about my first panel appearance. Mm-hmm. My second one, not so much. The third one, I felt like I bounced back. I, 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 Conan's opinion matters more to me than it should. He does not know. I think I said to him on the air yeah. that when we were doing the Gethard show. I would constantly think about. Is this something that Conan would give a thumbs up to? That was like a standard. I, I took my writers, my entire cast and crew, actually, when we got picked up by cable off of Public Access, I rented a giant house in the Catskills, and we all went there for a weekend to just sort of say, like, hey, we're going to cable. A retreat. And I, yeah, and I was like, I don't want to betray anybody who helped us get here, so we all got to learn how to do this. Right. And we're just going to go over. And I showed everybody... The, cl- com- the comedy that has most influenced me and influenced my approach to the show and the very first thing we watched and I've said this on record so many times I was like I think this is the height of comedy as far as I'm concerned this is the best piece of comedy I've ever watched and it was Conan uh, takes Mr. T apple picking uh. to me that <laughs> is the high watermark mark of everything I was chasing with my TV show if I could nail one thing as good as that, I would have felt good. So his opinion does matters matter so much. But now, yeah. the last time I did it, we actually joked around backstage a bunch. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I can remember this. I just think a... he doesn't right.
1: remember that. He doesn't no.
2: care what no. I did yeah. on his show in 2003. He didn't no. care that. He probably I, doesn't I've even know forever. it was you. No. no. I, don't, I,
1: don't, I don't think he can. I will say <laughs> that. I
2: do not. I, do, I legitimately do not think he remembers that I used to do bits on the show. I don't think he knows that, I and bet. I'm psyched about that right, because you are so professional. Story. Yes, and because he'll, it means he doesn't remember that that one day. <laughs> oh.
1: I, he, he does have a pretty good memory for when you make mistakes. Oh God! But yes, I mean, Why? I, I don't mean you specifically, but just but people in general. But no, anyone true. who works on the show
0: yeah. and he brings up some something I did that got cut <laughs> in 1999. That's whenever, insane. if there's just the quiet moment, where, hey, let's enjoy the quiet moment. Or yeah. I can
1: <laughs> break
0: Sweeney over the cool <laughs> ah, But
1: yes. you're also not the first. There, It happens all the time where people, fl- like it's their first big appearance on the show and they flub a line, mm-hmm. which yes. is so much worse than missing the cue, I think. I, um,
0: like I always, and, and some people, you could tell they're a little nervous in rehearsal, and that's when I, that's usually, yeah. I'm just like, oh, oh no, that. if they're, if they're not super cool in rehearsal, that's a bad sign. When you add the crowd and and sure yeah. enough, they often go up on a line in the, during the show. And it's just, oh, it's the worst. Worst feeling. Yeah, bad for them. Matt O'Brien,
1: has his story of uh, when he played Poseidon. Right. And <laughs> Aquab- I think, or, or, or was it Aquaman? Uh, sorry, I, don't I don't know. It was some made up Aqua God. Yeah, and he stood up in the audience and, I think the line was, "And my powers are limitless," and he he flubbed Completely it. tripped over. My powers are limit l- limitless.
0: That's perfect. And then Conan's just like, <laughs> Conan's except like... for the <laughs> powers <laughs> of speech. Yeah, exactly. And that made. But then a, he got a
1: huge laugh on it, and yes, it made air. Yeah, made the air. And, and,
0: and it was a blooper. We we did the last week of the shows when we were winding up in New York back in two thousand nine. That he heard that as part of a blooper bit, I'm but also, not your piece. I am no.
2: certain, though. That's the thing. I'm certain. No. If I had the heart to watch it again, I'd watch it and be like, "Oh, it wasn't. It's it not sounds that really it that funny. Bad. I know. Yeah, it's Who not cares, that bad. But it's." It cut me to my quick. Oh
0: God! Cut me to my core. Well, especially the way you built it up—like you were working your way in. You yeah. kind like, the, yeah. yeah. You know, they're calling me once once a week. This is your week. dream job. Yeah, yeah. I
2: was. Also, I wasn't one of the once a week guys. I wasn't right. like Delaney or Charlie Sanders. I right. was. I was a solid twice a month guy. All right. And then sometimes I'd go on a little hot streak. Uh-huh. But it was. Here's the other thing that was so fun was I was part of this comedy group at Rutgers. Right. And then there was this other comedy group that was like much more, much regarded as much cooler than them, them. and they hated me. They hated me. (laughs) Wait, this was at Rutgers. At Rutgers, they hated me. Uh, That we had a little feud between our groups. How how did you get into a feud? I love it. An improv Uh, feud. Our improv because we were college kids who took it too seriously. But our improv group was like fine, and then we just we went on a hot streak where uh, there's a bunch of people who still 20 years later do a ton of stuff around New York Mm. who have. One of our guys went to you know Boom Chicago and it's been and Katie Dippold who's oh, like a yeah. your former intern yes and, yeah uh, has written some she's hugely a, successful movies, movies like she, really big we, screenwriter yeah now. like she and I were in the same improv group together she's great she lived on my floor freshman year and I convinced her she was pledging a sorority and I was like what are you I was like you're ten times cooler than that you're so funny come join the comedy group and. Uh, she was in. Did
1: she do it? She Did she listen she to you? Was. Yeah. Well,
2: she was in both comedy groups, and Whoa. if I'm gonna, Traitor. I feel like I can air out some dirty laundry. She sure. was in that group first, and all then right. I convinced her to join our group, mm-hmm. yeah. and then we became like the hot ticket around Rutgers. <laughs> we were, because we I'm, I'm not. It was college improv. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I will say, it's you it's think a big school. Of, but yeah,
1: and you were a, appearing. Were you yet appearing on Conan at that point? No. Or? No. Okay.
2: But I knew all those kids. So she was dating a guy in that group. I was madly in love with her. Uh. That was a thing where they were like, why aren't you in this group with this dude who's clearly just fawning over you? And then uh, I knew, though. I knew all those kids were also watching Conan. I knew it. And then one night, the first time I was on, I was like, uh, oh, I know what's coming. Yes. And they went out of their way to just shit all over me. Uh, and I'm like, I know they're mad. I know they're mad. And I know it's jealousy. And I know that in some way. That this is great. Like, when you're a college kid in the year 2000, 2001 and you have a feud with another comedy group and then I show up on Conan it's like it's like drop the mic we won the feud right were they like oh what are you related to him or something a lot of stuff (laughs) like that yeah a lot of stuff people that's
0: People love to go mm-hmm. to something like that, but it
2: was also the best. I was like, "Oh, that's uh, so
1: satisfying!" I love in that the you, dream
0: you kept your trap shut and you just let yeah, them watch it.
2: Just let them watch. Oh yeah! I forgot to tell I you, I would go to
1: every college reunion. and, yeah. <laughs> and still be lording that over. I
2: 20 have years not later. gone back to any <laughs> reunions. I reunions
0: jealous you went to Rutgers in New Brunswick. I went to Rutgers in Newark.
2: Oh, you, I never knew that.
0: Well, it's not something I brag. Same about. here. <laughs> I hated it.
2: Did you hate your Rutgers experience?
0: Uh. I, co- I commuted 70 miles a day. From where? From Montvale, New Jersey. Montville? Montvale.
2: Montvale, more up north.
0: Yes. Yeah. I was
2: living what with that, my Gordon crazy County? mother. Yeah. You know I'm an obsessive Jersey guy. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I worked at a magazine about Jersey for years.
0: I'm 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 happy I grew up in New Jersey. I love it. I'm, I'm proud ha- of it. I'm probably going to move back. I didn't back. turn my back on it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I didn't know you were obsessive about it. I love it. What's, really, your big, what's your big Jersey
2: obsession? Well, Yeah, I, what was your beat I at work, the magazine? I work at The magazine is called Weird New Jersey, and it's all about haunted places in New oh Jersey. Oh, my God. So oh. Like, that sounds fun. So this was the same era, my day job. The Pine Barrens. I, yes, stuff like that. The Jersey Devil. Right. I'm trying to think what's up near Montville, because that's pretty far up north in Bergen County, right?
0: Exit 172.
2: 172. Uh, you know, a lot of Jersey kids sneak into abandoned mental hospitals. There's the right, Devil's yeah. Tree, a haunted tree. There's really the Devil's haunted. Tower and Al- Alpine. But when you're a nothing was built
0: there until 1960s. It's, cra- yeah, <laughs> it's like everyone's true. Still alive. No one's died. It's true. Yeah. No one's died yet. So, so I
2: loved it. I yeah. loved it. But yeah. yeah. I take the train in. I hated Rutgers. My Did whole my life was like, I'd go to Rutgers. I think I packed all my classes into two days a week, Uh maybe three days a week. I'd work two days a week at this magazine about ghosts, and then almost every night- You did that in college? Yeah, and then almost every night, I'd drive in and do classes or shows at UCB. You had a plan. I mean, that's very impressive to me. Yeah, you were very cool.
0: I would be like, well, I'm in college. I'll be
2: honest. What I was was very, very depressed, and it was the only thing that made me happy was comedy and this magazine. So I was like I know I'm going to drop out and I tried to drop out and my parents were heartbroken so I was, mm. they, they told me to get a degree. I got an American Studies degree. Mm. And I just and How knew.
1: often do you use that degree? I
2: mean, I knew <laughs> before I graduated I was making fun of it, but I knew I was like like many jersey dads. I was right. like, okay, I got to work as hard at comedy as my dad works at his job or else. Right. He's going to call bullshit on this. So were like, you
0: like your parents? Did you choose Rutgers without seeing it first?
2: I did. I chose it without seeing it. And I <laughs> largely why I went was they didn't make me fill out an essay on the app. My grades were good enough that I oh. just sent it in as a safety school, and then I got in, and I was like, I'll go there. And then I looked back on that and realized, oh, I made a major life decision uh-huh. on a whim. Yeah. And I looked back, and I was like, oh, that was the beginning of some severe clinical. That was an early warning sign that I had what would later be diagnosed as pretty severe clinical issues with depression but I just needed an although escape although it sounds kind it, of
1: genetic as well I oh yeah, like your parents yeah. are you mentioned
2: They're, your dad my dad's a workaholic there's a lot of alcoholism in my fa- extended yeah. family not my parents yeah. um, me but, too yeah. Rutgers alcoholism <laughs> New Jersey hard life yeah and yeah it was just I'd drive in I would get those Conan gigs every once in a while. I was doing shows. It's so funny because best
0: life. It sounds like the opposite of a guy who's depressed. It sounds like a guy with a, a life plan. It's like I'm gonna go yeah, to college, but I'm also really focused. Yeah, very focused. It
2: was. It was also just so exhausting. Yeah, was the. Th- I think that was where a lot of the. It, I was just like sort of manically trying to escape my own brain. Right. And I was so tired all the time. But I also look back and I'm like, oh, that was simultaneously one of the toughest stretches of life and one of the most beautiful, like you said, where I'm like, oh, I put in the work and made it work out. Right.
1: I think that stretch of life is tough for everybody, too. I mean, I think that's a really, like, you're... Your brain is is growing, and, yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. in a way that is is painful.
0: But you also aren't you comparing yourself to other people? You kind of look up to and Constantly, Like, where yeah. were they at this age? At twenty two, and oh god, yeah. I'm behind.
1: Yeah,
2: right. and then I because I was
1: always behind. But you were, you
2: sound ahead of everybody. Yes. And then the, <laughs> some of the people at UCB would try to t- like, I was twenty one years old. I was on a team with Rob Corddry, yeah. Jack McBrayer, wow. yeah. Seth Morris, and Brian Husky. Mm-hmm. Like these guys wow. were heavy hitters. Yes. And I was this kid, mm-hmm. and I'd be all, like, oh god. I'm dropping the ball. Nothing's happening. And they were like, you're 21. And I'd be like, I know, I that's, know. And they'd try to explain. They'd like, we didn't, you're so ahead of the curve. Like, you've done right. this for years in college. Like I remember Husky being like, we were all pissed when you showed up because you had done it in college. And we were like, that's not fair. You're like ahead funny? of the curve. That's, that's funny. Ugh.
1: But you didn't even get to enjoy your envy-making uh, youth. I,
2: di- I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. I look back, I regret, it's one of my only regrets was that I didn't realize that. That was such a good stretch of life, and now I know it was.
0: Well, when you were doing improv, with all these heavy hitters, did you ever get to a comfort level where you wouldn't even think about it and just go on stage, or was it always like, uh? Eventually. Well, I'll say,
2: when I got to that point where I couldn't think about it and never had anxiety, I, I got there, and then there were probably about five years where I still was like really heavily invested in like being the best. And then once that wound up wearing off and I was just showing up and doing shows and screwing right. around, right. that's when I knew it was time to leave. And that's when I kind of re- recommitted to comedy and, and attacked stand-up instead. Because hmm. I don't yeah. ever want to be someone who can just stroll on stage and not feel... That kind that, of worrisome. That worry. A little pit in your stomach. And then stomach. you get the adrenaline rush that right. comes with defeating that. I just right. feel like if I'm... I didn't want to... No offense to my compatriots at UCB, right, but right. like, maybe sometimes you'd see somebody where it's like, "What? Like, what are you still getting out of yeah, doing right, like it?" Right. And it's I don't judge, but right. I just wonder. Right. And it's like I just I, I wanted to keep pushing myself, so I switched I, to stand up after a certain point. I love
0: the, how you're always challenging yourself.
2: I try, I try. So when so did you switch? So podcasting
1: now. I know what's what's the what's going to be the next frontier?
2: Well, I'm I'm at a real crossroads because my show, you know. We did my show on public access for four and a half years, and then we mm-hmm. had, I think, uh, three seasons right. between two cable networks. So we did over 200 mm-hmm. episodes, wow. it kind of defined my life, right? and it's canceled now, and it was time to cancel it, and it hasn't made me too sad, and I don't have many regrets. Um, but it's kind of the first time in, in probably 10 or 12 years that I don't really know what I'm going to do next. That's kind of exciting. Kind of exciting because I'm now also at an age. I'm also now at an age and an experience level where I'm like, I think I have enough goodwill. I think people regard me as a pretty above board dude. That I think I'll land on my feet. And in comedy, as you guys know, it takes a very very long time to have that confidence. Right. Um, But like this is the first year where I first year since 2002 where I think I'm not going to make. Or no, it's 2006 where I'm not going to make health insurance through acting gigs. And I'm like, that's scary. Right. But I think I have enough money saved up now that I can just mm-hmm. pay for health insurance right. and keep trying to maybe do some stuff I like. So I'm actually going back to public access TV. Oh, oh awesome. Which is maybe a downfall. <laughs> but I'm going to go back in a way where I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to build something to sort of take what I built. And I've always taken a lot of joy If you look at the writer's rooms I had from uh, my show, I think one of the big legacies of my show is there's a lot of people who are starting to catch buzz who their first gigs acting and writing were on my show. That's great.
1: told you're being like a Conan.
2: I I was lucky enough to tell Conan that backstage. I said to him, I was like, you know, you did that for UCB. And I'm trying to do that for a lot of the young stand-ups in New York now. So like Julio Torres, who's at uh, SNL uh-huh. and had a Times uh-huh. article Uh-oh. written about him. Yeah, I gave yes. him his second ever job. Oh, that's great. Found, uh, Joe Firestone went to Fallon uh. and I gave her her first job. Gary Richardson, who writes at SNL, he wrote on my... Like if you go through a lot of people's resumes who are starting to do the cool stuff yeah. and get sucked into the gears of the big machines. like How did you out. find so, them? I just love comedy in New York. I just love it. Like there's nothing, still to this day, you know, you do so many shows, stand up, improv, whatever it is, and so many of them are the same. And then once every six months or two or three times a year, you see somebody who you haven't seen before where you're like, oh, this city can still, you just still have to work hard enough in New York that brilliant people are going to pop up. They're going to show up with talent. Their skin is going to wind up thickened, and you're going to see them, and you're going to go, oh, and it it really did, it gives me so much joy to be someone who can help them. So, I'm trying to build a system where I can kind of go, public access took me to two different cable networks, and we got a pilot on Comedy Central that didn't go. It's like, we we got mm-hmm. did that all, so maybe I can take what I built and recognize, like, that's not me anymore, I'm not the underground guy anymore, I can't claim right. to be, but maybe I can build something that's, I put my name on and whatever that means to people, maybe they'll keep an eye on it and I I can go, these are the people who are... Slipping through the cracks right now, who are ready to blow up, who you're going to mm-hmm. want to that's, see, and that would give me a lot of joy at this age. To that's, maybe, that's great. Yeah, make it less about me.
0: And I, it's a cool thing because when you started out and you just want to be in comedy, the last thing you probably thought of is someday I'm going to get to help all
2: these. Yeah, but it's you must be very proud. Very, very proud. Very yeah. proud. And I, I think of how the UCB helped me, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'd love to build my own version of what they gave. Like they, when you think about it. They all—they didn't need to build that theater and just right. hand the keys to all of us, you right. know. And I think about like Judd Apatow. I, mean, I think they've been paid for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I think <laughs> it got them a lot. But when you, <laughs> when you think about when it started, they were—they yes. sunk all the money they, they made off it their was sketch be what show. It is now, yeah. yeah, they doubled down and took a big bet on themselves, and it benefited hundreds of us. Mm-hmm. I think about Ap- Judd Apatow has kind of taken me under his wing, and and. The idea that I can, and then I think about those writers' rooms too that we built, and I always, I've always wanted to ask you guys your perspective on this because I remember, especially when I started coming around, that era. Like, you think about all the guys who I was around uh, back then in your writers' room, and I'm like, that's probably one of the best sketch groups that's ever been assembled. If you took, if you asked anybody back in that stretch who's like scouting Second City mm-hmm. like who are the people you would want on S? I'm like you'd want Dwarf and Stack and Glazer they'd be like everyone's <laughs> top three out of Chicago at that time yeah. would, and Blitz and Coleman and, and you know, Allison and McCann like you put all those people in the same room and I, w- I was always so I don't think I ever submitted to write for Conan um, but I was always so jealous of like I want to be in a room with all those people I want that and then I was eventually able to build that and it was a huge point of pride.
0: That's great. It was, yeah, back then, oh my gosh, we would do the show, eat dinner, and then go back and work on the next day's show. Wow. And it was five days a week. And uh, the the, the uh, sketches, like clutch cargoes, things like that, were much more labor-intensive yeah. to write. And also the live sketches would have several... It'd be like, oh, let's cheer up, you know, the postal service or something. It would have mm. like pre tapes, graphics, and then two or three little yeah. live sketches. And just ha- assembling those every day was a lot more. Yeah, people probably it,
1: burn it, out a lot faster then.
2: Yeah. It was so cool to watch, though. It was yeah. so cool. You'd like do it in dress and sit there and wait to hear if Conan wanted to like move forward and seat himself. And then being in the room with all you guys when I was 21, 22, 23. And just sitting, you know, sit in the seats and wait for your thing to come up. Right. But just to watch you and him and the writer and whoever was there and just to watch it just... We do it once, and then to just watch all you guys just pass the ball at lightning speed with, like, all right, that's going, and this is getting bumped up, and this line needs to right. be a little bit better, and the ending needs something like this, and why aren't we? It was like a uh, master class in comedy for was a, a 22 of, year old improv kid. It was, it a was a lot was the of the best.
0: ending needs something like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a, lot of,
2: a lot of times we'd be like, oh, there's no
0: ending. Need a Endings are the pistol. hardest. Someone the, well, has to die. Uh, that was so nerve wracking, though, because uh, for the live bits, we'd have to change a script. Turn it around, distribute the scripts to everyone. Everyone yeah. checks out the new lines and rehearse it again. Yeah. And the, they, they were real sticklers. Conan I, and Jeff Ross produ- about not going late. I remember. And it's like, oh, come on. How about 5.35? No, 5.30.
2: It's funny. It's almost like, I almost want to say it felt like comedy boot camp. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's almost more accurate to say that every single episode felt like comedy D-Day. <laughs> where it was like, it is go <laughs> time, many, many and were let's killed. go make yeah. it. Out. Where it's like, Left we're flying on the in, and we're doing it, and right. we get one chance, everybody. Right, right, it was right. just cool. It was just cool.
0: Well, the UCB, I mean, when I started there in 95, and then the UCB started in New York, and there were very few improv groups in New York, yeah. then it's mm-hmm. crazy. I think there was Chicago City Limits. Yeah, which was and, more of the short form me Right. And other than that, I don't think...
2: Were yeah. there
1: comedy sports? Was that no something comedy? That was sports. No. No.
2: I remember hearing that a bunch of the UCB guys, Michael Delaney and Billy Merritt, right, they had a group that ran out of a theater called the National Improv Theater, which, if I remember right, wound up being a sort of front for Scientology. Oh my god! Uh, so there was like that improv group, and <laughs> those, then a couple those independent too often things. Run the same. But UCB track. noticed a vacuum. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Yes. Just I, all these talented people from around the city just got just sucked, sucked right into in. it.
0: And the original four, we used because they were pals yeah. with, with Andy and Stack and Brian McCann, mm-hmm. they said, Oh, let's get, you know, Amy and, and Matt and Ian and, and Matt and they started they were on the show two or three times a week in all these different sketches. Yeah. And I, I always kind of feel like that part of their story. I, just just them. Being on Conan a lot, uh, it never gets written about at all.
2: I, no, and it doesn't get written about in all like the UCB oral histories too. Huh. And it really should because oh, I think those yeah. I think they fed each other in a real. I would I know that for us. Yeah. Being like, because now you go to the UCB school. Not talking bad, but like it's mm. a shiny place. Like, right. Yes. Big, and, they, and
1: it's like every college age to you know thirty year old yeah. person who wants to do comedy is. It's, like, mandatory now. Isn't there a giant Bible? Yeah, they have a big, giant
2: manual that Ian and Matt wrote. And it's like a college. It's like comedy college. And that's amazing. It's amazing and a victory for them that they built it. But you remember back then, it was like... Yeah? Punk rock scum people. Yes. Doing comedy. <laughs>
1: well, where are those people now? They need a place. Yeah. <laughs> public <laughs> access television
0: for the scum That's people. That's where public access comes in. I don't know anything about the
2: current state of public access yeah. television. How it- do you do it? It's wild. You do just you pay for up? it? No.
1: You just get to do it?
2: I was <gasps> I was doing my show at UCB, and it became a hot ticket, largely because in 2009, I randomly tweeted Diddy and was like, will you come do a comedy show in a yeah. supermarket basement with me." And inexplicably, he wrote back and was like, "Yeah, sure." What? So every time <laughs> I did that, <laughs> so I did it uh, once a month, and every month it would sell out instantly because nobody wanted to miss the week, the month Diddy did it. Yeah. Right. So I had this like oh, golden. Yeah. Thing, yes. And then it was just me and a bunch of my friends, and we started doing. I thought it was just going to be a parody of a talk show because I've always loved talk shows. Right. And it just very quickly became this like weird, aggressive collection of people doing a lot of sort of like just fucked up bits, lots of like violent stuff and antagonistic stuff and very manipulative of each other. But people were addicted to watching it. And uh, and it was kind of running its course, though. Diddy eventually came and did it. And then the show wasn't selling out automatically anymore and then a couple times it didn't sell out and i was like ah maybe i'll end this thing and just remember it when it was this instead of letting it peter out Mm -hmm. and right around then a former student of mine from an improv class sat me down and he was like you know i work at the public access studio and i was like all right i don't know yeah what What do you want yeah he's like i think your show would be perfect for public access and i was like oh boy here we go (laughs) Um, and then, but he was like, you know, it's a three-camera studio. You can broadcast what? live. There's no content restrictions. He's like, y- you can curse all you want. You can have nudity. He's like, you can't be naked in the studio, but you can pre-tape it. All the nudity rules are just because they don't want like people's right. balls touching the chairs and stuff. Sure.
0: <laughs> He's like, That's always a good rule.
2: It's like, you can broadcast it, tape it live, take phone calls. We stream everything online so you don't have to watch it just in New York. And I was like, wow. when he described it, I was like,
1: I f- a free studio,
2: and I That's was just great. like, I feel like he's just let me know about something that no one realizes exists.
0: Yeah, and yeah.
2: I have, I have free reign, and it took a lot of work. And in the show is, if you go back and watch our whole, they're all on YouTube. Like, it was really bad. It was a really bad thing. And our show had been so beloved at UCB that uh. I was really cringing because I'm like, man, this version is just so shitty. And then, but when it got good, it got really good. And again, this collective of people came to. Sort of be a part of it, and very funny Conan connection. I just remembered. So, growing up in New Jersey, there was a guy who made his own homemade television show, who I worshipped. Big influence on me. Uncle Floyd. Uncle Floyd. <laughs> who is known legally as Floyd Vavino, the yes. older brother. What of Jimmy of and Jerry? Vino Vino no brothers. way. From the Conan band. Yes. Yes. Well, I, wow. I remember sitting in the green so they room. They
1: grew up in his shadow. That's.
0: I, they that did. tells me
1: a lot. Yeah. He
0: was especially if you grew up in New Jersey. Re- the biggest deal, of course. He was the
1: best.
2: He yes. had the show so weird and it started so out on U- funny on UHF. You yeah, those upper channels, and not he wasn't public access. He was like pay for play. His was like you can pay for airtime, and then you're allowed to sell advertising, which you can't on public access. So he made a living off of it, or at least part of his living off
0: of it. And he did tours. He he'd do like live
2: gigs around. Yeah, and he still does. Uh, He still plays like firehouses and yes, like he had his own comedy club and uh was in like lobby of a Holiday Inn on Route 46 (laughs) in Wayne for a (laughs) while called Floyd's and I. I loved him that I think that explains a lot about me. You being familiar with Uncle Floyd yes. and knowing the type of shit I've done. Yes. That is the natural. Ex- it's like a mix of Uncle Floyd. And did you ever listen to WFMU radio growing up in Jersey?
0: I. It's legendary. It's like
2: this weirdo station that yes. my brother got me Very at time when I was eight or nine. Just free form, commercial free, strange stuff. And then
0: I ended up reading about it. But yeah, then, it was. I, it,
2: I grew up in West Orange. Who's the famous DJ Orange. on there? I think Tom Sharpling is the one that's oh, like the yeah. comedy okay. darling. Right, Tom, or, Tom yeah. Sharpling. Yeah. He's a right. good friend of mine.
0: It, but Vince Skelsa, didn't? Yes. I think so, yeah. I I was thinking of the rock and
2: roll DJ. Yes. He used to be in. Real Tastemakers. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just this mix of like punk rock and WFMU and.
0: What was that crazy variety show on Manhattan? I. Was it sure, you know about
2: Beyond it. Vaudeville. Yes, yes, Beyond Vaudeville. which became Oddville on MTV. That was one of the other right. shows that jumped. Oh, right, it and skipped. then Jake Fogel Nest, who was around UCB mm-hmm. in the early days, he did Squirt TV on Public Access, mm-hmm. and that jumped. Uncle so
0: Floyd th- jumped for a season. Uncle, it, yeah, he was in on 1980. After it jumped after NBC. SNL, right? Exactly, and they took or they, like
2: on SNL's off week, something like something that. something like
0: right? that. And I was super excited to watch it, and they polished it up and oh, it, you know like of when
2: Wayne's World gets
1: bought by right. Noah's Arcade <laughs> it was yeah, starting yeah. to
2: happen to my show by <laughs> the way too Did on they? TV and that's part of why we were okay with with going away but you'll love this so when I started on public access yeah I was like I know who needs to be the first guest because if there's one guy who made his own the Uncle Floyd show is so weird he was like almost yeah. like an old vaudevillian Yes, he'd. he'd wear like a hat and a suit jacket and <laughs> sing songs at the piano. Upright, upright piano upright, that he'd bang okay. away on with both oh, hands. And like, I'm yeah. from, his, one of his big songs, I'm from New Jersey and I'm proud about it. I love the Garden State. <laughs> and then he'd tell jokes and they were kind of like these lovable cheesy one-liners. A right. lot of bits with puppets on his a show. A lot of puppets. Mm-hmm. And
0: but then it Looney
1: doesn't Skip- sound punk rock to me, but I'm... Well, here's uh,
0: the thing. Tell me, yeah. Oh, his, he had musical guests. <laughs> that
2: I was just going to okay. say. And then he'd cut to the musical guests and you'd be like... That's fucking DD Ramone. Yep. That's DD Ramone. What is going on? And then this other thing I loved that I outright stole. And other people, I mean, Stern does it too. A lot of people do. And for someone who just complains so much about getting called out on a flub thing, Uncle, F- like you'd hear him, like he'd just like be rambling or something. And you hear the cameraman be like, I want to go home, Floyd. And then he'd start like jawing back and forth and he'd leave it all in. And you're like, oh, this is this weird show. Sort of almost Sort of a
1: parody, but maybe not exactly.
2: Maybe they all hate each other. It's (laughs) aware of what it is, though. Yes. Uh So I went to his website, and I was like, if I could get the blessing from Uncle Floyd, that would be... What an amazing way to start. (laughs) That's a great idea.
1: He's the godfather.
2: I'm telling you, my show, for my show, which was really tiny and never really broke mainstream, we had good guests. I mean, we had Diddy. We had... Paul Rudd, we had Method Man, we had mm-hmm. John Hamm. Like, we had what? big people on my show. Lena One Dump. of the
0: Ramones? I don't we think never so. Never had a Ramone. <laughs> right.
2: Never had a Ramon. Um, the person who by far smacked us down the hardest, <gasps> Uncle Floyd, multiple times. Really? Angrily. Oh. What do you mean, angrily? Like, just said no. Like he was used to be on it. His manager emailed mm. us. For a long time, I thought it wasn't a manager. Right. Now I think it was. But he basically wrote back, and he was like, hey, uh, Floyd never did, because I wrote, and I was like, I'm doing my own public right. access show. I was really inspired right. by Floyd. He made his own show. Right. Explained the whole thing. And I was like, it would mean the world to me. I'm a Jersey guy. And uh, got this email back that was heartbreaking, where he's like, listen, Floyd never did a show for free. He was never public access. He always sold advertising. He respects himself too much as an artist. You shouldn't, mm. You should if you're an artist, you should. He goes, the honest truth is Floyd was a touring comedian. The gas crisis hit in the 70s. <laughs> oh, boy. So it became economically not viable to travel as much. So he started to I think they, the TV Floyd definitely wrote this. They,
0: yeah. It was. <laughs> he, only it, Floyd would have this
2: information. It was heartbreaking. It was just oh, wow. he, But He's they, got
1: some serious. Blocks ab- around it. It sounds I, like I, he's got I,
2: I wish with. I could talk with him because oh. it sounded like a guy who didn't realize that. Very genuinely, he inspired a lot of people.
0: Wow, that's weird because he's mm. doing our podcast tomorrow. <laughs> Look at that.
2: We even offered. So when we went to cable and we had budgets, mm-hmm. I reached out again about let's book him as a musical guest because we can pay him. for Oh, that's that. great. And he doesn't have to like right. be in the spotlight. He doesn't want to right. come on as a musical guest. No. Didn't want to do no. it. No. Wow. And I did. I worked up the guts at one point when I was doing the late night show a lot where you know you'd be in that central green room and everybody would be coming and going and I think it was Jerry Vivino walked by and I finally had the guts where I was like hey uh I grew up in Jersey and he was like yeah and I was like I really really liked your brother Floyd's show, and he just kind of was like, yeah, Floyd yeah. Floyd did some stuff, man, and we didn't Floyd get... Floyd doesn't talk to me. I, I don't know, I don't no. know. Not since yeah. the oil crisis. But I wish, I wish I got to pick his brain more, because Uncle Floyd is the best.
0: That'd be great if your next new direction involved Floyd. I
2: wish. Yeah. I wish I could get him. He's like my great white whale. Hey, he is well, your well, great white whale. they say
0: not to
1: meet your heroes, so yes. it might be... It's true. sounds like this what... But to what only is.
0: exchange emails with their management yeah. <laughs> team.
2: <sighs> it was, but then, I think... His, this, that guy has tweeted at me since and been like, comments hey, oh. on everything. And I'm like, oh, I oh. so you know it went well. Why aren't mm. we getting Floyd? Yeah. I want Floyd. Man. I want more Floyd in my life. I like, yeah, maybe, maybe he's
1: not, do- you know, maybe he's not well or something.
2: He could. I don't know. Or he, he got stage fright. There's also rumors that he has the, uh, the single biggest personal collection of music on vinyl in the entire world. What? What? That's a rumor about Uncle Floyd Vivino. 'Cause he grew up in a very musical family. Yes, yeah. clearly. Apparently he's like spent his entire life collecting, collecting vinyl. vinyl starting with like old Italian opera that his Italian family would listen to. Like seventy-eights. He has a storage space filled with tens of thousands of pieces of vinyl.
1: Oh my god. He's a wow. legendary figure. And if he needs money, he could just sell some records. I'm sure he could.
2: Yeah. I would love one I wish that I got I wish that I had I wasn't so anxiety riddled as a kid and I had managed to charm the Vivino brothers into filling me in more because I had my mm. shot and they didn't fight. They didn't fight. Uh, Well, we we see Jimmy yeah, at work. Yeah, we could ask.
1: We could ask. Well, why don't we Let ask him, him know
2: that. I'm yeah. obsessed
0: with Uncle Floyd. Why, we'll get back to you. Why don't we... This will be a little project. Oh,
1: yeah. We can have Jimmy on and we could ask him about it on the podcast. Yeah. And we can... Mm-hmm. You know,
0: if you have a a pitch for Floyd, we'll work it through the family. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <some> I'm, ser- <laughs> I'm serious. But he
2: was a piece... I think being a weird comedy kid in, on the East Coast, he was a... Bigger part, of, like I, I've talked with Apatow about him, where he's like, "Oh yeah. yeah, we all watched Floyd on Long Island." It was like Floyd, Howard Stern, yes. Andy Kaufman, David Letterman. Yes, those to wow. me were the big four of. Yeah, growing up on the East Coast, <laughs> yeah, that's the mix that you led think to of me. Andy being Kaufman
0: is an East Coast Long Island guy. Yeah,
2: Long Island guy.
0: Yeah. When did you for did you ever go to comedy clubs when you were young or in coll- I, college or when no? I, You
2: just went to improv. I, I stuck. I remember there's a you'll appreciate it here's another thing I want to make sure I say because I've talked to you about this I've, I got passed at the comedy cellar about two years ago do you know Mike Sweeney is still very legendary there
1: I believe it. I've
0: told you that. Do you remember? I think the thinking of Steve Sweeney from Boston. Oh, no. People mistake me for
2: him all the time. Well, You used to host there all the time, right? I did. did. SD has told me that she still considers you, (laughs) and comedians have said that you were the best host (laughs) at the comedy show. It's
0: because I stopped doing it. So so all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, he Uh, was great.
2: But I always heard that you would go out there and just blaze with crowd work and it was untouchable well
0: i was very lazy it's just i was like <laughs> oh i didn't write uh, any another day without writing anything i'll make fun of the people from denmark that's my <laughs> ticket to success well it was great oh, yeah, well, yeah i never I'm glad SD liked it i
2: remember there's a club that i bet you know in new brunswick uh-huh. called the stress factory yes i work like, there it's like kind of a legendary yes, really tough room. legendary and the owner i think he just stopped doing it in the couple past couple years he but he, the owner himself would get up on stage and do yes. this intro Vinny? Vinny Brandt. Vinny Brandt. And when I was in college, I went on a date with a girl who I had a big crush on. She's a sweet girl, gymnast, very cool, very cute. And she was like, I'm going to organize our date. Because she knew I was pretty socially incapable, she had seen me doing improv. Like, <laughs> but no. you're the decision maker. Well, n- it's now.
0: Did I she forgot. really say I'm going to organize? She all did. This. <laughs> she said well, we're going to oh, go on a boy. date. And
2: I think we made <laughs> out scary. once, uh, one night randomly, and then she was like, "I'm going to organize a date. Now we will make out." And then she go. I meet up with her that night, and she's like, "Well, I know you like comedy, so we're going to go to the comedy club." And uh-huh. we went to the Stress Factory, and Vinnie Brand used to do. He had a phone on stage and yeah. he would prank call restaurant, he prank oh called a Chinese God. restaurant the oh night that we were there. And then they did a thing where there was a big movie screen in the corner yeah. and they had a camera that would point out at the crowd Uh-oh. and it would put people's faces up <gasps> and then it would- Like su- a
1: kiss cam. Yes, yeah.
2: and it would superimpose captions. Uh-oh. And they put one on me, a, a 22, 21 year old me on a date already just such a self-conscious human being and it just uh, superimposed the word sex machine right below (laughs) my face, and I just sat there. And I remember it went on long enough that I kind of finally gave it a like, okay, joke's over, and then that got a big laugh, and then it stayed lingering on me, (laughs) and I just had to sit there humiliated on a date, and that scared me off from comedy clubs for a while. Yeah. So I got lucky it's, that UCB that's a tough existed. date. I mean, there's only was, a, yeah. a
1: small window where it goes well. I yeah, think.
2: it didn't. We didn't go on more dates after that. Yeah. It, was, it was. My confidence was shot. I didn't have much back then anyway. But I, uh, yeah, I, I avoided clubs for a long time and found them very intimidating. So I was lucky that UCB kind of dovetailed into the alt. Yeah, it was kind of Luna Lounge into right. UCB and then UCB right. out into RafiFi and that's where I started doing some solo stuff. Ah, got it. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, like when you do your one man shows. So where do you work that material out?
2: There's a there's a venue in uh, Brooklyn that I really like called Union Hall. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's I'm a really there. great great space for comedy and uh, it's downstairs. Downstairs, very intimate. They they that crowd has proven to be very supportive of me. Oh good. Um yeah, Brooklyn takes there. But then because I'm a maniac who likes to work hard like. Like, my one-man show was all about suicide attempts and stuff like that. And I would go and do that material at clubs. I would wow. do it on the road. I'd do it at colleges because right. I was just like, I got to make sure this stuff doesn't just play in Brooklyn where everybody's artsy and mm-hmm. right. open to discussions. So I would just go and bomb. Wow, and you bom- are... bombing with that material. <laughs> I was going it, to say. Pretty, it's pretty lonely.
0: But that's, you know, I think... I, I mean, I'm out of the stand-up world, but I think some people do get into that little... You know, that kind of protect where the audiences are great all the time. It's that cocoon. I, I think it's hard to step out of that, I would yeah. think, once you get used to it. And
2: some people can, you know, really sure. pay their mortgage doing it. And yeah, more power of course. to them. But yes. I always wanted to be, I always really admired the people I saw who, like, I felt like Berbiglia and Mulaney right. were the mm-hmm. two guys where I was like, oh, they show up at UCB. Right. And then they got to cut out after the show because they got to go do Caroline's. Right. right. And then they're going to go do like a weird NPR storytelling event to close right. up the night. Yeah. Right. I'm like, right. oh, you can do it all in this. Yeah. It's part of why I stay in New York. It's because I think as a comedian, it's still one of the only towns, maybe the only town where it's like you can play in front of every type of crowd right. within mm-hmm. three days. Yes. You can play in front of tourists, in front yep. of Jersey, Long Island crowds. You can play in front of. Artsy crowds, mm-hmm. any any you can just go find out if a joke works in front of anybody in this town. Yeah, I that's that's kind of the game to me that I'm addicted to. Is
0: and you you do it does get into a ego thing where it's like I don't care what the conditions are. I feel that yeah. I should be able to do well yeah no matter what. Throw I remember I used to there was a comic that they were putting me on after I won't name him at the comic strip and he would just, it just, he had a boom box, and he would just destroy. And, oh, wow. And they'd put me on after him at like one forty-five in the morning. <laughs> and I went to It just, he was the one I could not follow him. And that's infuriating. Uh, it was, in, and I was just like, I'll put me down for next week. And it makes you better. We,
1: got, we gotta set up a show with you. Oh, with him opening I for would you. love that. Uh, no, I mean, that's so much of what comedy, I think that that's right. why people stay in comedy. It's it's It is this like addictive uh, I, I don't know you yeah you you need to keep creating situations where you're able to satisfy that need to like hunt it's so for validation. fleeting yeah. yeah it's so fleeting <laughs> so, right cuz you're only uh, you only feel as good as your last that
0: is joke it's so yeah. last true laugh
2: did you ever do a room there's a room I'm obsessed with stories about yeah that a lot of the new york comics used to yeah. jump out and do called the peppermint lounge
0: oh the peppermint no you know about this it I was largely remember,
2: an african-american room in east orange new jersey
0: i i uh where was it east, oh, east orange. orange i never did it i never east, did it
2: legendarily what? one of the hardest rooms of all time
1: I, have you performed there no
2: it's closed oh. i wish because oh. i grew up in west orange home of rascals yeah. i never went to rascals
0: i once did i got hired to host a fashion show Ooh. in east flatbush Ooh. and i i remember like i saw chris rock like at the comic strip and i I, because he grew up in Brooklyn, I said, you know, I'm hosting this show in East Flatbush. He goes, East Fla-, he goes I won't even go to East Flatbush.
2: <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs>
0: but uh, it was great. It was, um, it was great. It was really that's fun.
2: The, I love, that's still one of my favorite feelings is like, what's the scenario that's probably not going to work? Yes. Can I go make it work? Yes. And that's why I loved that. When my show jumped to cable they were like we well, can't do it live anymore that's insane but then true tv to their credit mm-hmm. i have some misgivings about the way i was treated there but by and large it was a great experience but to their credit right. they said we want it to be live again hmm. and being on live oh. tv where it can be a oh disaster my God. yeah that's right. incredible i love it that they I said that, yes to that yeah that's loved really it cool so much loved they- it
0: did, did you ever do the orthodox Comedy Club? Down, they, they used to be in Lower no. Broadway on Saturday
2: night. Like Orthodox
0: Jewish? Yes. like Has- no, Hasidic I wish worth- that
2: was still around.
0: It was dinner, and they'd have the stand-ups go up on during dinner. And I was like, oh, they're going to... They're gonna hate me, but they were the hardest on Jewish comics. Oh, because they were the comics were all reformed.
1: Oh, right. And
0: oh. and so these. So comics, they'd rather
1: a Catholic than a. They were reformed? fine with me,
0: <laughs> just just because you know it's more of a novelty item. Whereas they the reformed because a lot of Jewish comics would talk about being Jewish, and they, they were mm-hmm. kind of like, eh, you're not really yeah. Jewish. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, and they, I was like, oh, gosh, I didn't even think of that. They'd have a tough time.
2: There's a guy who runs a room still, and I've never done it, and I want to. I should before I hang it up. Yeah. It's in a hostel on the Upper West Side. Oh, wow. So it's just to like German and Australian yeah. backpackers who are passing through New oh, York. Boy. And it's in the lobby of a hostel, and I have heard... That this guy who organizes it—it's the only show he does—and he will do fifteen to twenty minutes between each act. Oh my
1: god!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which, if you know anything about comedy, is—that's insane. That's insane. The Germans love it. I love
1: the setup of finding the worst room in America. All
2: I want, yeah, all I (laughs) want—the peppermint. That's a show. A a comic at the cellar. I asked him if he ever used to do the peppermint. He said, "Yeah," and he said he was there one night and said he saw comic bombing and someone in the crowd stood up and was like, get the fuck off the stage, and started, the person in the crowd had been eating buffalo wings, started just whipping the bones uh, at him on oh stage. Oh no. It's all I want. What a
1: humiliation. It's uh, all
2: I want, is to do a room so hard that if I fail, I'll get pelted with yeah, chicken Yeah, i come bones. home
1: with buffalo stains. tell
2: us where you're performing next, and we will bring
1: <laughs>
0: plenty of wings. All I want. Oh man.
1: Okay, I think.
0: I think we're being told. We're, we've been I'm way I'm so back. sorry. Yeah, I no, down. no. I'm sorry. I it went ju- by
1: so fast. I just
0: I have some more Jersey Hell gigs I wanted to talk about. Uh, you
1: guys can keep best. in touch. All right, we you don't will. have to stop talking after this recording. Is. Okay. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. It's really fun to hear about those early New York days I, of yours. I loved
0: all of it. I yeah. just love your approach to comedy. Oh well, yeah, it's really Thanks. fascinating. It's well,
1: inspiring.
0: Yes, very inspiring.
2: It's a real joy to think about those days. Mm-hmm. To the idea that I've been like brought in in any sense with your show. It's just uh, a hugely meaningful thing to me. And I I do not say that lightly. So I'm so psyched to be a peripheral part of it. And uh, so jealous of everybody gets to be a bigger part of it, and it's the best.
1: Well, and let us know if you'd ever like to be in a sketch when you come yes. to L.A. Oh, that would be
2: the dream. That would <laughs> be the dream. For God's sake, We'll get don't you be that Astra
1: insurance. I
2: need it. Believe me, I need some. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: we'll have to do a lot of sketches on our show to get it. But.
2: <laughs> so we used to get get got them out. That was the best part. You're like, oh, I'll, I get, I'll dress up as a robot again if it gets <laughs> me closer to health insurance. <laughs> I need a physical. <laughs>
0: All right, thanks.
1: Thank you,
2: Chris. Thank you, guys. Sorry,
0: we're long. I think think they queued up the sketch. sketch? I totally forgot about it. Did you want us to play it? it? play
1: it?
2: I will watch it. This will be the first time I've watched it. Wait,
1: really? Are you okay with that? Yeah. 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 I'm
2: fascinated to see if it's as bad as I think. If you were the writer of this, how mad you would have been at me for flubbing your bit.
0: I don't think I'd be mad. I... I, think I would just you'd be like relieved that I accidents. hadn't fucked it up. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. Exactly.
2: Okay. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, folks, our budget's been cut so much, we're having trouble paying the rent this month. It's true. So we're doing everything we can to hide from our show's landlord. Huh? Hide right? from our show's landlord. There you go. Good co- cue. Co- go Apparently, we've cut back on the queuing too. <laughs> Why don't you go back and we'll try that again. <laughs> I tell you, we've had to cut things back so much. <laughs> We're doing everything we can to hide from our show's landlord, huh, Conan? Yeah. yeah. Hey, I Conan. Didn't, ex- didn't expect to see you. Well, he's on his way. Mr. Slotnick is coming. Oh my God, Mr. Slotnick's coming! Here we go. Come on, Conan. Okay, Conan? we can stop it now. Yeah.
1: I have to tell the listener, Chris, it was it was like a three quarters of a second delay. Yeah. It was such a short.
2: But he yeah. said it again. He said that you hear me say "huh." If you rewind it, you hear me go "huh" when the door opens, the, and then he says the line he again. Was, he, he went he for saw the easy an laugh. opportunity for a laugh. Exactly, that's what happened. He hey, you wasn't know what? mad. I can't. He
0: clearly wasn't enjoying. He didn't like the Pender bit beat right before because his leg was, and he's oh, he, he was, was a little self-conscious, so he was. It's. You actually did him a giant favor. And
1: you know what? I would even say that the camera cut to the door was premature. It was. I felt like that was early.
0: Yeah,
2: the door.
1: I'm not even, I'm not saying this just because I was, also,
2: I have so much more hair. I was shocked to see. (laughs) Well, I I certainly recognize that. I'm so young in that. that. so young in that.
1: It was, the time was like, I know that you probably felt, it felt like, also though, I could
2: feel both, you're being so nice now, but I could feel when it happened, I could feel both of you internally going like, yeah. No,
1: oh, that didn't no. Happen. No, no. I oh. was just thinking, oh, that was it. That was kind of what Oh, I
0: cringe. That if was your my wife reaction. knew how you spent the past hour instead of helping her with that Beautiful with baby uh, with boy. Cal. <laughs> Beautiful cow. I really do, I think you uh, need to let got... this one go. Yeah. All right, <laughs> we'll wrap it up.
1: Okay. Hey, that was Chris. That
0: was Chris. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah. And it, I swear it really was like the smallest pause. I know. In that I, sketch. I know. I, I was we were all so angry. underwhelmed. We were like, that was it? Wait, <laughs> You what? built this up. I was prepared to go to bat for you. And no, it was...
0: You were the sketch performer who cried wolf. It yeah. Was... <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I totally get it from his point I of know. view.
1: I know. In your head, those, like every millisecond is... Interminable when you're out there and you're just feeling the weight of like the audience, like they're all holding their breath for you. And then,
0: but also thinking, oh, they're never going to ask me back again. Yeah. That I, that the trauma of that.
1: It would be funny if we talked to a casting director and they were like, yep, no, he screwed up. That was it. He's off the list. Well, I've seen that happen. But anyway, Chris Gethard, what a delightful guy. He has his own podcast. Beautiful
0: stories from anonymous people. And it's, on Earwolf.
1: Oh, my God. That's crazy. Synergy.
0: Unbelievable Weird.
1: Yeah, it is crazy how that mm-hmm. stuff happens. And that's our show for this week.
0: Yes. Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, thanks. And we'll uh, talk we'll, to you next week. We'll see week. you on the flip side. Yeah. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell.
0: Produced by Kevin Bartelt.
1: Engineered by Will Becton.
0: Mixed by Ryan Connor.
1: Supervising producer is Aaron Blair.
0: Associate producer, Jen Samples. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross. Jeff Team Ross. Jeff Ross and Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf.
1: Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials.
0: You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts.
1: And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. Ta-da!
2: This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.